Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension Agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. Welcome back to another edition of Dirt to Dollars. It is the week of July the 19th. Are we in the 19th, the week of the 19th? Yeah, we are. I think the 19th <laughs> it's been a long was month. this week. Yeah, it was this Whatever week. Whatever that means. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's been a long one already, so I, I, can't, no, I, I don't know what it day it is. feels like it was April yesterday, so... Uh, oh yeah. It seems like this summer's flown by. It does. It Only does. It doesn't feel like it outside. I know. Man, it got hot. It did. Now the humidity wasn't terribly bad the last couple of days, but it's getting there again. So I don't know. It's hot. I hate yeah. It. Are we is there even any rain in the forecast right now? Yeah, Sunday. Mm, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Well, Sunday and then like all next week. Yeah, but yeah, I'll but look, by the time Sunday gets it'll here, change. it's yeah. gonna it'll be change. What I think by the, the time weather, Sunday gets here, we're going to need the rain. I think you're right. And we'll, and, and that's one, one thing that I think it was Weinberg was talking about how we're kind of getting in this dry pattern, but once this moisture gets out of the ground, that heat's just going to keep, mm-hmm. keep climbing and climbing. And, uh, uh it's going to be, going to be hot by the end of this week. Y'all notice anything else besides the haze of the humidity? It's been a little smoky. Has been, hasn't it? And I don't you ever said, remember I, that happening when I was a kid. I was thinking about that the other day. It seems like we've had that the last two or three years mm-hmm. that it happened. Well, have the but, fires been that bad though in the last I mean, I feel I like these not. these fires have been pretty bad from what I understand. So well, maybe it's, I think we've had these fires for a long time. It's just they get a lot of publicity these days. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just hazy and nobody talked about what it actually was. Well, they all, yeah. hazy outside. And yeah. I think a lot of it's related to the jet stream too and where it's going. And mm-hmm. it may not always be, you know, wildfire season or whatever may not always be kicking down this low and, and bringing it down this way. Yep. Uh, so be part of where are these wildfires? California and, um, the Oregon, the bootlegs. Does they call it the bootlegs? Boot yeah. That's what they call it. And they're, that's, I think the biggest fire that's, that's taken, taken so much publicity yeah maybe too was it a, a moonshine steel or something that started the bootleg fire <laughs> maybe i don't know either but way I they're thought, they're creating some pretty uh pretty significant uh sunsets and stuff around here too yeah and i think it is a combo of the humidity and haze kind of the haze in the air anyway from from that uh, but yeah there it was really yeah. really really um weird sunsets mm-hmm. the bootleg fire is in oregon yes it's in oregon and, and then they say in california in oregon yeah so we were close i said california there's always something going on in california sorry for those of you that might be from there but it's true <laughs> it seems like they're always causing trouble so <clears throat> but around home we've uh obviously we've been dealing with a few fungicide issues with the weather that pattern that we've had so we're going to have on a guest here uh soon t- to talk about southern rust but um i've also been seeing a lot of fungicides issues or not fungicides but uh, disease issues in you know regular plants trees shrubs vegetable crops and things too so i've been getting a lot of those calls Yep. It's been wet and that's what happens. We kind of talked about that last week too. And we get all this moisture and humidity. It's good for yields, but it's also a growing environment for, for issues and, and, uh, 
disease. So speaking of issues, mm-hmm. I think I think we finally made it, right? Because we had our first troll. We did. I didn't yeah. see him. Yeah. What is, was he, what is was he short? Did he hide underneath the bridge? <laughs> well, he had like real tall pink hair. That yeah. This one was in the form of SpongeBob. Oh, it was a SpongeBob troll. Oh, yeah, yeah. those are those are quite special. Yeah, this was a SpongeBob troll. However, yeah, I feel like you know you don't like them, but that at the same time you're like, well, I mean, I guess we're finally on the map. It's if little, somebody's little trolling, flattering. Us. Yeah, we got <laughs> trolled. Um, so anyway, yeah, it is what it is. You, you're always gonna have somebody that doesn't agree with you, but yeah. Anyway, but in in real world issues, I think. Um, Matt, you were talking to us before we recorded about some uh, issues Kentucky Beef Solutions is having mm-hmm. now. You know, yeah. Talk about so that a bit? there was an email went out from Dan Miller. We've had him on the show here before. Uh, I think Kentucky Beef Solutions, their the demand has picked up so much that they're in need of cows, uh, specifically through like now in the first to middle part of September. I think they're running kind of short on what they've got booked up. So. Uh, if you've got any coal cows out there looking at culling some cows or have some you need to preg check or whatever, then it would give Dan a call or get with your agent or one of us and, mm-hmm. and we can get you hooked up with them. Uh, make sure you get all the protocol followed and get signed up to do that. Uh, I know he had mentioned said they're paying more for cows now than they have since they started doing it. Uh, had sent some prices out with what they were paying for this week and they were pretty attractive so mm-hmm. take a look at that it's just not something that you can just load them up and take them one day you've got to have a little bit of leg work out front as far as paperwork and getting the tags in their ears so take a look at that and it, and it also uh doesn't hurt to either talk to dan and let him know where you're from or talk to one of us uh if there's other calves you just got a couple there may be some other cows from that area that you can uh share a trailer with and save the trucking a little bit yeah we've had several uh animals from the area to to head that way and i'm sure if you got questions we can find somebody that can answer those for you if we don't know the answers ourselves so give us give us a call let us know if you got some animals you want to you want to get on get in on there because i I know they can use them right now right and it's and it can be a little daunting i guess if you're questioning it you don't really know but just talk to us because it's really not that hard of a program to get into and they will walk you through it and if you know it's it's pretty simple so if you're questioning it please just reach out to us yeah biggest thing you're going to need a bqa number mm-hmm. uh and that's something we can help i you know with a few folks we can, yeah <laughs> we can get you taken care of there so well, some, something else kind of crazy that I saw on the news the other day was um, we've been dealing with the bird issue and how birds are dying. But now we're seeing some rabid bats in, in Louisville area. Have y'all yeah, seen news on that? I saw that story. Uh, I think there's three bats last I saw they'd found that had rabies. And I don't think that's that uncommon. I mean, I think no. it's pretty, pretty well known that bats are rabies carriers. But right. Uh, and they were just in Jefferson County, but uh, I know the story I saw, they'd interviewed a wildlife biologist and, and he claimed that bats, they'll travel a pretty mm-hmm. good way. So it's, uh, if they do travel, it could spread through some counties and we're not that far in this right. area from Jefferson County. So right. if you see a bat, probably just leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see as many bats now as I used to. It seemed like we would. That, when we lived in our big front yard, we'd have them in the evenings, but 
the freakiest yes. part of the whole story was the wildlife ball. It's just, uh, it's like, why did you even say this? But <laughs> he, he made the comment, gave the example of if you wake up and there's a bat in your bedroom, that that bat could have bit you and you didn't know it while you were asleep. Like, why do you tell people ah. that? <laughs> kind of like, for one, what are the odds of waking up and there being a bat in your bed? Sort of, it's kind of reminds me of like bed bugs, <laughs> sort of, sort of yeah. like, Ugh. but I, I didn't realize that. He said they're like their teeth and their mouth parts are like really fine. So, like, they can bite you and you never know it. Wow, <laughs> that's scary. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but if you get if you get bitten by a rabid bat, don't you just have to go through like medical protocol? I, like, isn't there? I think you turn into a vampire, don't you? Well, I thought that's what the happened. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. That's what be they eating, said in the movies. I wouldn't be going to an Italian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief! Yeah, the garlic. Yep. Stay away. Stay away. Um. <laughs> But yeah, that is that is something to know. I do like uh, sitting on the back porch, and you can see the the bats flying around. And I hope they're eating all yeah, the mosquitoes up. I was gonna say, yeah, they're actually pretty beneficial. That's they, a, they also uh, now they also uh, say they really don't eat that many mosquitoes. Like you know, they eat they eat mosquitoes, yeah. but they don't really like have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shoo any of them away. They can they can eat all the mosquitoes they want because the mosquitoes have been awful. They have at my lately. place the last couple mm-hmm. days. I mean, awful. Yep. I went out and uh, uh, was checking on the sheep and looked down and I had five on each arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Fun now times. see, okay, and we talked about this I think when Doctor Larson was on, but you know I don't get bitten by them as much i guess maybe because of my blood type i don't know that's what i'm claiming anyway i don't know if there's any truth to that or not but you're just kids, not as sweet as i'm not know. listen i am salty all the time okay <laughs> I, don't, I don't normally get bit or have like bumps yeah. after i get bit yeah um, but i was covered with them and i could feel right. them biting me mm-hmm. but like my daughter my kids when they get mm-hmm. bit it look it looks like they've got attacked by a hornet yes i mean and that's mine are, up and mine are that awful. way too Mm-hmm. Mine are that way too. And they have, they go out, my kids right now can walk outside they come back in and I mean, they're completely covered. And so mm-hmm. I just tell them, you know, we, we, we spray bug spray, we light citronella candles, kind of just try to ward them away. But, and I know there are some counties that have the KDA used to come and actually do a, a spray program with counties, but I don't know if they still do that or not. I, I don't think it's really a sign up thing. Mm-hmm. They no, just they just do problem randomly. Yeah. 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 Big events. And I wonder if they would, I wonder if they would come to my problem area. <laughs> so I don't know, but anyway, yeah. Keep uh like I said, use, use permethrin type pro- products. If you're, if you're having issues with it, Deep. keep the, keep the water out of your property. Yeah. You yeah. Water trying to keep it out mm-hmm. or a kiddie pool. Like we had, I told my husband, <laughs> yeah, I said, uh, there's our mosquito problem right there. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pour it out. We're not using it. So, and I also found some ticks. I was doing a, I was doing a pasture walk the other day and I came back and had two or three on me. So they're still out and about too. And I usually don't get bit by them. So it was kind of interesting. Love summer and all of the fun things that come with it. Yep. So we had Tara Harden on last week talking about tax implications and hobby versus Mm -hmm. farm. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about with her last week because we didn't really know all the details yet. Uh, the new ag exemption tax exemption number. Mm-hmm. 
we've gotten a little bit of clarity on that here in the last week. We have. Yeah. And it seems like I'm almost afraid to talk about it because it's like every time we talk about it, like the next day, something, something new changes. or something, <laughs> something changes. changes. Yeah. I think it's just a coincidence these last two or three weeks, but I think we do finally have a little info uh, that, that farmers need to know. Yeah. Um, there is a form that they'll have to fill out. I do know that. And, you know, it's not like you just kind of sign something at your local farm store now. It's, you gotta, there is a form, I think, that you turn in, correct? And yes, well, and you mail it, has to go to the Department of Revenue, so it doesn't okay. go to the store anymore. Right. Uh, and it asks a little more detail than what that old form did. It has a lot of the same information on it, but uh, I believe one of the things you can provide is your farm serial number from FSA. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing that they'll take. They just need some kind of documentation or some kind of proof that uh, you do have a farm and have a farming enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they'll send you a number and you just give that number uh, to your retailers and your stores. Yeah. And and a, and it just a quick reminder that the FSA number, like your farm number, it's not the same thing. So you would mm-hmm. need to have it or you don't need to have an FSA number, but it's one of the things you can use to in turn get your tax exempt. No, I wonder probably if it, the simplest. I was going to say if you own if you own the farm and, and I wonder if the premise ID would work. No. I don't think it's listed on there. It's a Schedule okay. F, uh, IRS Form forty eight thirty five, Farm Service Agency number, and it says or other type of verification. So I don't know what that other type would mean. Mm, I don't but know. the easiest one is the is the Farm Service uh, Agency yeah. number probably. Yeah. So um, and also one thing that I noticed, you know, it's important probably for people to go on and get started on this. Um, but I think you've got till July of 2022 uh, until that goes into full effect. Is oh, that correct? January. Uh, it says here, um, exemption certificates without an exemption number will expire and no longer be valid as of July 1, 2022. Okay. Mm-hmm. I well, think they're going to start accepting them January. January. Yeah. Right. Farmers, farmers may still use uh, the typical sheet uh, until June 30th, 2022. Yeah. But don't don't drag your feet. Just do it that way. They're yeah, not all trying think, to get it in at one time. Think about how many thousands <laughs> of these are going to have to be processed in the next year. And how many questions and, they're going to get. And then <laughs> how many are going to wait to the last minute. Yeah. Because I know people and I know what they're going to do. They're going to wait. Yes. And we're going to tell that them every one. month. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably have to do a monthly reminder on here and, and in our newsletters yeah. for the people yeah. and, and when we're get communicating with the public to make sure that uh, – that we get those done. It's pretty simple. And you know, I was at a farm bureau conference over the weekend and it was talked about there. And this is actually something that uh, Kentucky farm bureau has been lobbying for, for several years uh, just because there was so much abuse with the old system that uh, a lot of these ag groups were afraid that we were going to maybe get our tax exempt status pulled from us or mm-hmm. uh, on certain products might get pulled if we don't do something, you know, state government's looking for uh, revenue mm-hmm. sources, new revenue sources. So this is just a way to really, it's simpler because you don't have to fill out a form for every place you do business with. You've just got that number and you can mm-hmm. give it to them and it is uh, what it is. Yeah. simple as that. So really it's a good thing. It's, May get a little stressful yeah. if you wait till the last minute, but it's a good thing. Well, and I think it'll help everybody out because I don't know about you, but I get at least a phone call or two 
a month with somebody going, Hey, I need to get a tax exempt number. I you need know. to know my tax exempt number. And now we can tell them how Where to, to get their tax. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that'll be good in the long run. So just keep it in mind going forward. You all have had some pretty um, interesting, Matt, I was reading this morning, you all had some train derailments and things like that. Hardin County has been busy the last few days. <laughs> so. Yeah, we, I don't know a whole lot about it. But yeah, I think there was a train ran oh, off the tracks. Yeah, say it's happened a couple of different times. I don't think anybody yeah. was injured or anything, but we, I say that because not 10 minutes ago, we had a train running through. We've, our office now, we get to see the daily trains come through and, you know, I just thought that was interesting, but so I think this one, was, this one was kind of in the same place that the one was a few years ago. So mm-hmm. it must be a bad spot on the, yeah on the railroad. I know we've got a, got a loyal listener that works for the railroad. Maybe we can get some details from him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they can stay in their lane. <laughs> You've only got one lane on a railroad track. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So. Uh, still some some trains coming off the tracks with some supply issues going on out there yeah i've heard that Uh, i think some of the plastics which i there was some warnings out there that those could get short back over the winter uh, and seems like that's kind of coming to fruition as -hmm. we get through the summer so i just heard this morning uh plastic bailing twine is getting pretty short a lot of places got some in the spring they've sold out and uh getting hard to get that back in uh just a lot of your ag plastics if you think you need some going on into the late summer then probably start looking and yeah. try and find those don't try and go the morning that you need to bale hay and <laughs> get your plastic twine so it's good to know because there will be a lot of people that probably you and others that are getting ready to cut again so get it while you can <clears throat> uh been hearing some rumblings of some fungicide shortages. Yeah, we got an email the other day from the specialist asking, you know, if we're hearing things and, you know, how much of it is a supply issue versus is it like a labor issue? What What's the, you know, I don't know what the context of it is. But. I think a lot of it's supply issue and it just depends on how much the, if you didn't pay for it or order it yourself and get it on farm, how much the retailer got mm-hmm. in and, and stopped. So. Well, why, why are we just sitting here talking about it? Why don't we ask the specialist and see what's going on? That's a good idea. Uh, why don't idea. we do that? So, uh, Whitney, why don't you go ahead and give our guests an introduction? Joined with us now, we have Dr. Kirsten Wise. She is the plant pathologist for UK, and we've got her on here this week because we all know what's going on right now, uh, the topic of Southern rust. So, uh, good morning, Dr. Wise. How are you? Good morning. Um, I'm happy to be here and talk about one of my favorite topics. Which is <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was such conviction. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll say, I mean, I've talked about it a lot over the last week. Um, I imagine you have. Yeah. yeah. We got our, our first confirmation of Southern rust confirmed in Union County. And so once, you know, usually that first confirmation comes in mid-July, it was a little earlier than normal this year, but, you know, not, not overly early, but once that first confirmation, we get that on the books, then things really start to move. Right. So we've got a lot of calls, you know, mm-hmm. should we be spraying? Um, and this year 
I think one of the key issues has been, um, you know, corn's a little behind, lots of guys are going to go out and spray, but we're having trouble finding product and applicators. And maybe we're using different application methods or different, different products than maybe our first choice. And so a lot of quite different types of questions this year about managing Southern rust. So uh, what are some of the issues that you're hearing across the state as far as product availability? So I would say that um, it, it really depends on where you are, right? So some pockets of the state, you know, have been able to get product and get their acres sprayed, no problem. And then some areas might be short on fungicide product, or maybe the first choice product isn't available and they're having to find some other fungicides. And then there's some areas where I've been hearing it's just impossible to line up an applicator, you know, mm -hmm. get ground clearance equipment. There's no aerial applicators in the area or they're all booked. And so even if you have product, you know, on the books or, or have it available to use, you just don't have anybody to get it applied. And so that's a big concern as well. Uh, I I know another thing that's come up here recently in our area is uh, we're starting to get some ground rigs in, and I think we may have mm -hmm. actually talked about this some last year, uh, but just refresh your memory a little bit. What do you see any difference between being able to spray with a helicopter or an airplane versus a ground rig as far as uh, efficacy or coverage? So our research and also some research in, in Canada has shown that if the applicators doing everything they're supposed to be doing, you know, using the right nozzle types, using the right pressures, um, using the right carrier volume, that your efficacy and coverage should be equal no matter what application method you're using. So um, the efficacy that we see from a helicopter should be the same for what you have with the high clearance equipment um, and the airplane as well. Now, I know there's some personal preferences and you'll hear, you know, people might have a favorite, but the research has shown um, that in a, in a couple different places that really the coverage and efficacy should be equal if the applicator's doing everything right. Now, on a helicopter, what is that water volume you'd like to see coming out of there? Because I know that's that's really been cut the last few years uh, yeah. with the applicators that have been going around in this area. Yeah, so I really advocate for five gallons per acre with aerial. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's never <laughs> happened, right? Like, but I always say that it doesn't hurt to ask. Right. Yeah. You know, so like I, I always encourage farmers when they're having that conversation, you know, just throw that number out. Maybe you can negotiate. Um, um, so and I know a lot of it is going to go down to two or three. If you can get them to put on three, three is going to be better than two. Right. Um, because, again, the higher the carrier volume, the better chances you have of improving your coverage. Right. And I know some of the applicators around here that had been cutting way back uh, when the question was asked, it was basically, yeah, we'll do it, but we're going to charge you more. But I mean, the, if you've got that much of an improvement in coverage, then uh, probably worth spending an extra few dollars an acre to, if you're in it that far already, to go on and, and get good coverage. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you're paying for it, you want it to work, right? And so mm -hmm. improving your carrier volume increases the chances that you're going to see a, a better response from that application. And so, yeah, it, it really is one of those situations I think you get what you pay for, right? Right. I know a lot of times uh, we confuse Southern rust with common rust. Can you give us a quick reminder on how, how we differentiate those two? 
Yes, this is a really good question. And it's really timely because um, we had our confirmation of Southern rust and immediately we started getting samples and we have already confirmed a lot of common rust in the state. So it's out there. And one easy way that you can kind of give you a clue that you might have Southern rust versus common rust is that those pustules with Southern rust are going to be primarily only on the upper surface of the leaf. So you're going to rub your finger on the upper surface of the leaf. It's going to have that orange dust, might feel a little bumpy, but if you flip the leaf over, it should be kind of smooth. You shouldn't see a lot of pustules on the underside of the leaf. And with common rust, you'll see pustules on both sides of the leaf. And so that can be if you're out in the field and you see something that looks kind of like rust, that's an easy way to kind of tell, you know, maybe you have Southern versus common, but I always advocate, you know, if you see something and you have questions, you're not hundred percent sure, you know, get that sample to a County agent, get it into the diagnostic lab, because with usually within a few minutes, you know, under the microscope, we can tell whether it is common rust or Southern rust. And that's a definitive diagnosis. And it's not, it's not uncommon to have both of them on a leaf either. And that's when it makes it really tricky (laughs) to, to understand what it is. Yeah. And also, can you remind folks too about when is the best time to spray? Because, you know, we do have some late planted corn and some early corn as well. And so uh, spread among our areas and, you know, after what stage is it really not necessarily effective? Right. So for Southern rust, we have a little bit wider window than we do for some of our other foliar diseases, but we really want to protect that crop from tasseling through milk. And Mm -hmm. so if it's anywhere between VT and R3, you might consider a fungicide application, particularly in that late planted corn. But if, you know, it's at that milk stage, mid milk and beyond, you know, a lot of research has shown that you might not see enough of a yield increase to pay for the cost of the fungicide application. So you're not going to see as much yield damage when it arrives later in the season. Uh, and going back to the common rust versus southern rust thing, just to clear this up, I don't want somebody to take this the wrong, <laughs> take your comment there the wrong way. You can have common rust just on the the upper side of the leaf, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be on both sides. It doesn't. It usually is, though. Like you'll right. see, you'll see pustules. Like you'll see common rust and southern rust on the same leaf. Mm-hmm. Right. Might have pustules on the underside and the upper part of the leaf. Um, common rust is going to be a little bit browner. Probably those pustules will be on both sides, and southern rust will be a little orange. The pustules will be kind of clustered together, mostly on the upper part of the leaf. Um, but always send a sample in. Yeah. Like I said it's a quick diagnosis, and then you know for sure. Uh, getting away from southern rust just a little bit, you know. We, we get all tore up about southern rust because it can be pretty detrimental, but there's some other diseases out there uh, that cause a whole lot of economic impact in, in our areas. Uh, can you talk about some of the other more common corn diseases that we see? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this because I do want to highlight gray leaf spot. It's annually important in Kentucky. It's, you know, got those kind of long, narrow, blocky lesions, usually starting in the lower canopy and moving up. Um, And it was really quiet. We didn't see a lot of gray leaf spot until about two weeks ago. And it's really started to move. 
Um, mm-hmm. So we've had really that hot, humid weather. We finally have gotten rains. I don't know, at least in our area, we've gotten more rain than we want. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but all of that moisture and humidity have really caused this disease to start to move. And so when I'm out looking for southern rust, I'm seeing a lot more gray leaf spot in some of these fields. And again, you know, a tasseling application of fungicide, if you're spraying for southern rust, that'll help control the gray leaf spot too. But it is one just to to kind of pay attention to and and notice it out in fields because we can manage that with fungicides or different hybrid selection next year or the next time that field gets planted to corn. And you mentioned that it uh, it starts in the lower canopy. At what point do you start to get concerned? What leaves are you trying to look at as far as knowing when to start controlling? So I yeah, so I want to be protecting the ear leaf and above. And when I'm going out, you know, and it's just prior to tassel or maybe like into tasseling pollination, you know, the best time to walk a cornfield, pollinating (laughs) corn. Um, (laughs) You know, if I'm out there and I'm seeing gray leaf spot um, on on the ear leaf or any of the three leaves below, even if they're just little lesions and it's a susceptible hybrid, I mean, I would be lining up a fungicide application at that point. And we've talked a lot about these diseases uh, and talked about product availability, and you may not be able to go out and find that product that you've sprayed the last several years. Uh, what are some some products or active ingredients out there that uh, that we most commonly see used that will protect against basically gray leaf spot and southern rust, uh, if that's mainly what we're worried about? And, and where can we find some more information on that? Yeah. So there are actually lots of different fungicides available. So I, I always like tell the anecdote that when I started working with corn fungicides, we had like three products, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to choose from. And now we have dozens. And so there are a lot of products and, and I'm not always sure farmers know how many products are available. Um, and a lot of them do a really good job on gray leaf spot and Southern rust. And so we primarily hear the market share of like, maybe like three or four big products, but there are a lot of different products available. And we have a fungicide efficacy guide that we put together every year um, that relies on our efficacy data from our research trials. And we can find that, um, I mean, the agents get a copy of that each year. So you can always contact your county agent if you want the updated version of that, or it's also available on the website, the Crop Protection Network. And that's just um, a group of extension plant pathologists um, that basically get together and put this together every year. And so if you just Google crop protection network, um, you'll find all of our fungicide efficacy resources there too. So we do appreciate you coming on with us this week. I know you've got a busy, a busy couple of weeks here. What, what all's going on in Princeton the next couple of weeks? Well, we have our high school crop scouting competition tomorrow. Delaware County. <laughs> <laughs> like no favoritism here, but, but um, you know, and that's always like a really fun event. Um, I love doing it. It's fun to have the kids come out and get to see, you know, some, you know, agronomics and some pest management issues and kind of work through those issues in the field. So that's always fun. And then next Tuesday, we have our big corn, soybean, tobacco field day out here at the station. And we're so excited. We get to have it in person this year. So, I mean, I honestly, it kind of feels like we're doing it for the first time again. (laughs) Well, and you all had a pest management program, uh, kind of field day back two, three weeks ago. I don't know. It's been maybe longer than that now, but that was really good too. And it was one of our first ones back. And I, you could just tell people were really excited to just be able to see things in person. Yeah. And 
we're really excited to be able to interact with people again. It's, it's just like a different dynamic when you can actually, you know, talk to people face to face and hear what's going on and, and be able to, to chat with them. And, and also like, I'm always excited just to show people our research here at the station and talk about what we're doing here. So um, it's a busy month, but it's exciting to have these in-person events and, and be able to interact with everybody again. All right. So where can they go if you've um, got some more information or if you've um, publications or things, maybe not even related to Southern Rust, but into uh, corn fungicides in general, where's a great place for them to go? So I mentioned the Crop Protection Network Mm -hmm. and it's a really good comprehensive, you know, um, field crop disease management area. So we have our Southern Rust publication there. We have all of the fungicide efficacy guides for corn, soybean, wheat, Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of other just good information about disease management that you can find there. And we at the University of Kentucky contribute heavily to that. So you'll find UK data in a lot of those publications. All right. All right. Well, thanks for coming on with us today. And uh, hopefully we'll get you on again before we start talking about rust in 2022. <laughs> uh, we don't, we don't want you to think that that's the only time we bring you on is when we have Southern rust <laughs> pop up. No, but it's okay. I'm always <laughs> happy to talk about Southern rust too. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate it. It's my pleasure guys. You guys have a great day. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Kirsten. Kirsten. All, right. all right. That was another good segment from Kirsten wise. It seems like some of that stuff we may have heard before uh, mm-hmm. when we had her on this point last year, Matt, you kind of mentioned that. Yep. Um, so I, I do think we did talk about a few new things and a few other things other than just Southern rust, but it is an important topic that we need to discuss. Kind of reminds me of maybe like a movie, you know, and you watch it again. Is there, is there many movies just, that, that you, you pick all, something up every time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, or, or you remember more quotes. Um, is there a movie that you all have like watched more than any other movie or like a movie that you know that you've watched more than like 10 times. Are there any movies you can think about like that? Pure country. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, mine would be twister. Cause we talk about that all the time, but I've, every time it's on, I watch it. And well, not just Forrest that, Gump. but like a movie that you Forrest like specifically Gump. watched, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah. I would almost say I don't necessarily like the green mile or Shawshank Redemption, but they come on and you're like, you just kind of start watching it and you just yes. watch it. And you watch um, it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Forrest Gump is one of those. It's probably mm-hmm. on my list, the ones that I've seen more, mm-hmm. more than 10 times. But I got, I've got, i got two movies that specifically come to mind. And the first one for me is Tombstone. Oh, yeah. yeah. I used to, when I was in college, I'd keep a tally on the back of how many times I watched it <laughs> and like had a bunch of little lines with crosses through them. I watched <laughs> it a bunch and of course I've watched it a lot since then. But I'll be yeah. your Huckleberry. Uh-huh. I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm your Huckleberry is actually uh, a yeah, quote. I'm your but, Huckleberry. There you go. <laughs> but I've watched it so many times that I can't watch it at home because my wife gets mad at me because I say every single <laughs> word while they're saying it. Yeah. And uh, she just, I, bar- I rarely get to watch it. That and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Oh, that's Probably kind of the weird. second one, not yeah. the first. Yeah, because it's one of those movies weird. where the sequel's better than the first. Okay. okay. Well, and we, I mean, I don't know if we're, if you're going there. One of the things, of course, I grew up in the, and I'm going to be a geek for a second here, but I grew up in the Harry Potter era, era when they were coming up and the books were popular in the movies, and so well, I grew up at that time too. But I didn't. Every I didn't, every I time they're on, about. they're on all the time, and so inevitably we end up watching them because my kids are getting into them now too. So, but yeah. Is that a huff and puff? Is that what they, is that a Harry Potter thing? 
Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff, yeah. I that's, don't know. That's I'd, one of the some about warthogs or yeah. There's like five or six. They're different. witches, right? They fly on brooms. Mm, sort of. Is uh, that what it is? What I don't are the need that sorcery in my yeah. life. Huffle, Hufflepuff is a is a area or is like a a, a school like one of the oh okay yeah. sure. <laughs> so back to uh, movies we watched in college. This made me think about this. Uh, one of my go to movies Ooh. in college was Eight Seconds. Ooh, what and am if I? You, if you watch Eight Seconds enough and you're an ag nerd, you realize like thirty seconds into the movie, like the opening scene. There's a Hereford bull that breeds a cow in the background. It's like like the first thirty seconds. <laughs> I watched a lot right of off the bat. Yep. Sweet, Home, Sweet Home Alabama was something I watched a lot in college. That was always, of course, it was like a rom com, but still, it was kind of it's funny. I don't know. I'm not participating yeah, very well in this that because one I'm a girl. You are guys. Mm. I'm gonna have a different. I'm gonna have different <laughs> movies than you do. All right. Well, back to business. So. Uh, I think we've all probably got some events coming up. Kirsten talked about some events coming up down at Princeton uh, here in the next few weeks. Uh, I know a couple of things we've got going on here in Hardin County. Uh, August 3rd, actually August 3rd is a big day next week or two weeks. Uh, that's our annual rinse and return event. So if you have any of your unused or your used pesticide jugs, don't bring the unused ones because we're not going to. Uh, take your chemical but anyway uh have any pesticide jugs that you've used and accumulated over the summer uh make sure you either triple rinse those with water uh or pressure rinse them take the labels off just the big paper label the label that sticks to the jug can stay and take the lids off uh make sure they're clean and bring them in it was something new we've started. Uh, I think KDA started asking us to do last year uh, how they handle those or in these big jumbo seed bags. If you have some of those laying around, uh, you can just take a utility knife or something, cut the top out of them, go on and stick those jugs in those bags and bring them that way. Uh, makes it a whole lot quicker for unloading. A couple guys can just grab a hold of them, throw them off the truck, and you're done. And, uh, ready to go and that's that's how they're handling those now gives you a way to recycle those bags as well so uh keep that in mind uh also we so have, hardin, hardin county's on that is in august 3rd yep august 3rd at the hardin county road department garage and and since you're talking about it uh larue county's is september 1st at uh, southern states in hodgenville from 10 till noon so larue county people write that date down too yep mine's actually the week after that so Mine's and what would the date be? Eighth here at the office from 9 to 11 Central Time. All right. So uh, another thing we have going on August 3rd is uh, our extension intern uh, here, Dustin Goslin. Uh, he has a drones and agriculture field day planned for the evening of August 3rd. That'll be at the Chuck Crutcher Farm on Barrytown Road in Rineville. Uh, I think he has... Uh, Josh Jackson, one of our specialists coming down, uh, as well as three or four different drone companies coming down to show some new technology they've came up with and how to utilize that on the farm. So cool. That'd be interesting. Call the office to sign up for that because there will be a meal that evening. Good deal. So is that what we're doing right now? Plugging this plugging stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, I got something to plug. 
um, on July 27th, uh, Tuesday, next Tuesday at uh, 6.30 in the evening. We've got our – that's the fourth Tuesday of the month, and that's when we have our small ruminant meetings here at the LaRue County Extension Office. And I think this month our topic is uh, feeding, watering, and sheltering systems for rotational grazing. That should be interesting. Um, rotational grazing is important for small ruminants, for pasture utilization, and for worm control. So should have some neat ideas to share. And uh, uh, we always have a, have a good time at those meetings. So come out if, you, if you're interested. Whitney, what's going on in Grayson County? Well, right now I'm in the middle of planning a master gardener program. I am, which will start September the 24th. Uh, I haven't sent a whole lot of information out yet, but I'm planning to do those on Friday mornings. And um, I'm actually going to try to do small ruminant profit school, you know, in the fall. So if I, if I can drum up enough, I need to get an interest list together. I've got a, we've got people interested, but I'm going to get, if I can get 10, I'm going to do it probably October, November. So that's kind of what I've got going on. One other quick plug. We'll probably talk about this again, but August 10th for any LaRue County cattlemen listening they're they're going to uh, have their first, you know, real meeting in a long time. Uh, I guess maybe 15 or mm -hmm. 16 months ish. So, I, yeah. um, so there'll be a meeting here at the LaRue County extension office, uh, Tuesday, August 10th, seven o'clock. So I think bluegrass stockyards, is sponsoring that meeting so it should be a good meeting and i hope we have a, a nice turnout It'd be nice to there's a lot of people i haven't seen since they met last time so be good to, to see some familiar faces and learn together about uh how to how to market our cattle all right we don't have a we ain't done nothing about a song this week we probably need to figure something out on that We'll start figuring. <laughs> Do something about smoke. Is there something about, I don't know, we talked about the wildfires. Um. I was thinking either going somewhere, Matt Mitch and Pure Country, hmm. go for the song from that. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, Let me look up. The well, Pure that's Country all I was going to say. I was going to say, yeah. All right. So we talked about fires earlier. Um, you know, and the smoke and the haze that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we can find a song about, about fires um, in, in or smoke or anything related to that. So I was thinking, you know, what can we do? And the first one that comes to mind is Garth Brooks standing outside the fire. And it's yes. kind of what we're doing because we're not really. Yeah, you know, we kind of are. Seeing the, the smoke. Um, I like Fire Away. I do too. But I don't think Kale's got that one. I don't think Probably so. Not. That's Mr. kind of a deep Mr. track Stapleton. for Stapleton, yeah. There's, a, there's another classic song that's right there for the taking, and I'm surprised any of y'all have said it, that talks about fire. The Fireman? No. That's my name. <laughs> but you know what? That That's a good no. one. Um, 
there's another good. I mean, it's yeah, a, like no, the most popular to, classic yeah, country fire. song. Ring yes, of fire. Ring of fire. Yes, yeah. yes. Yes. I had it off the tip of my tongue and I was trying to think because I have like five other songs pulled up. You know how when you're you're thinking about one song and you're looking at another. So. Well, surely out of those four or five, we can pull one off. And if it, if all else fails, you can go to Pure Country Soundtrack and find you one there. <laughs> Didn't you say that was your favorite movie? So, or one of the ones you watched the most. So, there's lots of lots of them for that. And that'll make Whitney happy since she's a yeah. big George Strait fan. Oh, yeah. Huge George Strait fan. All right. Well, I think that pretty well takes care of everything we needed to cover this week. All right. You say so, boss. All righty. (laughs) We'll see y'all next week. All right. See y'all next week. week.